Hello and welcome to Sigma Sports Presents Matt Stevens Unplugged, the only podcast that you're currently listening to. Of course, unless you actually are listening to two at the same time, um, simultaneously. I've never heard of anybody doing that, but these days it technically is possible. Uh, so well, get in touch if you do listen to podcasts simultaneously. Anyway, um, in today's episode, I get lost in tangents, just like I did just then, with the wonderful Zoe Baxted. So what can I tell you about Zoe? Well, she's a Baxter, so being a powerful bike rider was stamped into her DNA. Now, she's only 18, but already she's making massive waves in the pro cycling world. And we chat all about the pressure that comes with being such a promising youngster. As a junior, which wasn't that long ago at all, literally only months ago, she won all the rainbow jerseys. Yes, all the rainbow jerseys, by which I mean she's been cyclocross world champion, road world champion, time trial world champion, and a track world champion too in the Madison. But which one is her favorite discipline? We chat all about switching disciplines and which one she likes best. We also talk about coaching and whether she's easier to coach or not. She's a big fan of Lego, very much like myself, so stay tuned to hear Zoe rate my Lego collection, although I must add now, it does get a little bit chaotic. In the hometown quiz, she gets a bit shocked by the price of fish and chips in Ponty Clean. I guess that's the cost of living crisis though, isn't it? And we chat about what it's like to have your dad as your boss, especially when your dad happens to have won Paris-Roubaix and has loaned you his race-winning pedals. So, get comfortable. Maybe build a Lego set whilst listening to this podcast, or perhaps grab a Welsh cake or something else comforting. Sit back and relax, because this is the Zoe Baxter episode. You know it's that time again. Podcast. Zoe Baxter was one of the most successful and promising junior riders the sport has ever seen. She's won national championships and world championships in road racing, cyclocross and track disciplines as well. And now, at the age of just 18, she's coming to the end of her first pro season in the Women's World Tour. 2023 started with Zoe riding for the EF Education Tibco SVB team, who sadly folded when sponsors Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. Management were transparent with their riders and Zoe amicably found a new team in August ending the season with Canyon Shram. Her new team, incidentally, has a familiar face as director sportif, which you might know, her dad, Magnus. But how does she balance that professional and personal relationship with her dad? And how well does she know the subversively yet childishly absurd American sitcom Brooklyn Nine-Nine? And how much does a fish and chips with mushy peas cost, regular size, at her local chippy in Ponty Clin? There's only one way to find out, folks. Check it out. Okay. <laughs> good, good, good morning. It is good, good morning, isn't it, where you are in the world? So, but welcome to um, Matt Stevens Unplugged. Lovely, lovely to see you because we're doing this on video as well as audio. If anybody's listening to yeah. this, hopefully they will be listening to this. We generally do get quite a few people listening, but we can see each other, which is nice. Um, but where in the world are you, Zoe? Um, I'm in the Netherlands at the moment. I'm just uh, doing my final bit of prep before European Champs on Wednesday. So. I'm in Friesland, so yeah, close to the Vanberg, ready for Euros. Okay, and how, is that, is that an easy drive? Because you're in Belgium now, you've settled in Belgium, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, just like, not far from France. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of in like Flanders Hills, get a little bit of flat. I can go onto the French roads, which are a little bit smoother. I kind of get a bit of, a bit of everything, which is 10 out of 10. 
Fantastic stuff, fantastic. So I think what we need to do first, uh, which I like to do, and it's nice because I can see, I'm not asking you to move around your room, but are you in a, just a hotel room or staying at a friend's house or is it an Airbnb? Can you just describe the scene to, to us, please? Um, I'm staying at my old teammate's house from EF um, and I can see a painting of Lake Annecy. This is what I've been told. I knew that this question was coming. <laughs> I can see a painting <laughs> of Lake Annecy. Um, there's currently three bikes in the house. I've got behind me here, I've got a wine shelf thing. Okay. I don't really know why it's there. It looks cool, it goes with the vibe, so I'm down for it. Um, and other than that, that's pretty much it. Some trees, some rain. Some rain, okay. Typical Netherlands weather. Right. Okay. So, so you're there ahead of the European Championships, which which is coming up. I mean, I mean, obviously, uh, this is a cycling focused podcast. There will be other things thrown at you as well, by the way, um, just to pre warn you. And before we we, we we were on air, I was texting Nile. That was that wasn't just text. That wasn't just on social media or Twitter. I was it was an instruction. So um, <laughs> there might be things happening during the pod. So don't. All I'm trying oh, to no. tell you, Zoe, please don't be alarmed. Um, you know, because we've you're okay. you're the third member of the family to do stuff on, on Poddy Was because we've had Eleanor on the cafe ride. Uh, did you watch yeah. that, by the way? I did watch it. Yeah, maybe once or twice. Definitely once or twice. Okay, and what did you reckon? Just I've seen the- it. Yeah, great fun. Absolutely loved it. You had a, a lot of good chats. I seem to remember you guys talking about halloumi and sweet chili sauce or something like that yeah that was like the one the one thing i took from it and i was like this is so random but it's just you two summed up yeah <laughs> yeah that's the way we, we yeah it was, it, was, it was great it was even more random i mean if you are sorry we have gone off on a slight tangent but there's going to be a family element to this because you're a family of cyclists and you know you're the youngest of the family but um we we organized that we organized that cafe ride and then we soon come to understand that we'd organise it in a completely different location than where Eleanor lived. So yeah. <laughs> we both got confused and we ended up doing it in in Liège, of all places. We thought she lived at, yeah. So we thought it was going to be like Flanders-based. Uh, but anyway, we, we just got the, we all got the wrong memo and we ended up all having to drive to Liège. So we did a part of the Liège-Baston-Liège course. So it was... <laughs> <laughs> It was great. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Liège. Wow. Yeah, it, it's it far from anywhere. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> it, it was good fun. It was good fun. But but Zoe, you've you've obviously before we move on to team changes and things, Canyon Shram now moved across from EF for reasons we all know about. We'll go into that in in a bit. But what I'd like to ask you first, because you're still very young, you're only 18 years of age still, and you've come across to live in Belgium this this year, haven't you? Can yeah. you just talk a little bit about that? Because it, it's when we when I've done these pods and when we, we talk to professionals, quite a lot of the time, they're already, you know, maybe several years into their career and, and they've already got they've already done a lot of things. And you have incredibly already done a lot of things. But moving away from home is that's that's still quite new. So I'm just going to yeah. kick off with that. What's that like? What's that transition been like moving from home abroad? On your Todd or, or whatever. I mean, talk, talk, talk to us about that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I decided um, after Australia Worlds last year that I was like, I need to move to Belgium, mostly just for the cyclocross season. Um, my original plan was to like 
just Airbnb it until the end of the cross season and then go back to Wales and yeah, live with mum and dad. Um, because that was, that seemed the most logical. It seemed the easiest. And then um, dad was out in Belgium with me at like the start of the cross season last year. And we were like, why don't we look for a place and see if I can rent somewhere um, for, yeah, whether it's just a short term one or, or whatever. And ended up finding a place and absolutely loved it. And basically I viewed it the next day I said yes. And yeah, by the end of the month, basically I was moved in. So it was like very much so like bish bash bosh kind of just straight into it. Um, but honestly, I've loved it so far. It's really been a lot of fun just spending some time on my own. Um, Eleanor's come over a lot in the classics, um, crashing at my place, doing some recon rides, whatever, um, in between races as well. If she doesn't want to be in race hotel, uh, then she just comes and stays at my place. And I've had some friends from the UK come over and yeah, it's just, it's become a little base for like my friends and my family to come and stay at. And I've had family come down from Sweden and just, it's really made the transition into, into living in a different country a lot easier. Um, and yeah, I had I had dad there for the first couple of months, just also helping me out in the cross season um, and things. So that also, again, made it easier yeah. to transition into. And then, yeah, once once he left and went back and went off and did his DS stuff, then I was there on my own. But I was already I already felt like I was comfortable enough to just go out and do whatever I needed to do. And like, I, I really just have no problems. It's just go about my day to day now like it's it's normal is are you having fun oh absolutely I really I really love it where I am like people say oh why do you live in this place and I'm like it just feels like home it's it's where dad um first lived when he moved to Belgium as well so yeah I'm staying like 100 meters from his first apartment which oh, is wow. like it, the town yeah the town feels like like home to me which is which is really cool and when he's there he's like oh wow it's changed so much and this never used to be here but this used to be here and then this was this and this was that and trying to piece everything together and I'm like yeah but it's changed now it's new <laughs> and yeah. he's like but still it's like it's yeah it's for him it's home for me it's home so yeah. that's that's lovely that's massively that's massively important isn't it? Uh, it 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 really 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 is i mean what do the local people think of you as well have you made any friends because let's be honest with you although again you're only 18 you've you've done a lot and you're quite a famous cyclist <laughs> and belgians love their cyclists so have yes. they have they embraced you as it, as it were are they taking you uh, and, and are they looking after you because generally that they do quite often it's like i'm fine but they they just love the, i mean it's it's intrinsically interwoven into their into their society cycling and and you're a big time cyclist it's all ahead of you but you've done a lot well, how's that been oh how they welcomed you as as one of their own yeah i mean I've got a lot of people in my um, apartment building that know that I race, know that I ride and will always ask me how the racing's going, when my next race is, or if I'm coming back from training, then they'll ask me like how it's been. Um, and also one of the one of the people at my gym, like one of the workers there um, saw me like scanning in and they came over and they were like, are you Zoe Baxter, the, the cyclocross rider? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, wow, this is so cool. And I'm like, I'm just here to do my gym session. Like I'm just a regular person just living in Belgium now or like staying in Belgium for, for when I need to. And yeah, it's really cool. Also just out training and people will see me and they know it's me and they'll wave. And I'm just like, 
this is fun. It's cool. It's cool. I, I, I've, I've still, I, I do love Belgium. Um, still doing what I do, I do manage to travel back a lot. There's something pretty special about it. And obviously Maggie, your dad, um, you know, was, rode for Belgian teams back in the past, didn't he, as well, um, as before before he won Roubaix. We'll get onto that in a little bit. There's, there's so many bits that are going to hopefully interweave <laughs> into this. Please enjoy this elevator music while we experience a slight technical issue. Tapping my microphone, we had a small technical hitch, but now Zoe and me are back in the room. But that might be edited out, and you might not hear that bit, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but um, no, we're talk- just talking about how welcome you- you'd be made to feel in Belgium. But um, it's been, as well as your you know transition from under twenty, well junior to kind of issuing the under twenty three straight into elite racing, which is a, a, a big, a big leap. We, we can't not talk about the fact that you've now changed teams mid-season um, for yeah. reasons that we know about. Unfortunately, EF Education, uh, TIBCO SVB, has had to close their doors. Um, but your old DS, your old team manager, Lynn Jackson, was very, very gracious, wasn't she? Obviously, when I say gracious, it's um, unfortunate to lose you and to lose to lose the team. But that how's that transition been? Because you've, you've, you've hit the ground running from a sporting perspective, but it was clearly something you didn't expect, wasn't it? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you never expect mid-season to hear that your team's not going to be running at the end of the year. Um, but yeah, I mean, Linda was super helpful for all of us. Like she told us early that we all needed to look for new contracts. And yeah, I'm super, super grateful that basically she could let me go in the middle of the season. Um, just, yeah, I mean, because the cyclocross season starts September, um, you don't really want to be changing in January because you race on New Year's Day typically. Um, so changing to new equipment like 1st of January isn't the most ideal thing. So yeah, um, Linda was super, super helpful in, in letting me go early. And yeah, I really appreciate that she could let me do that. It's not the most typical thing for a road rider to do, like change teams mid-season. I had a lot of questions about that, but yeah the situation was that there was no team so i had to i had to find something and and that was that quite an easy choice um i mean you're you're in a team because your dad's just say just joined joined canyon at the start of the year a team that i know we all know very well um so was that quite a quick thing i mean you're a rider that a lot of people of course would be interested in joining you know so how did that come about as it were was it quite quick um I mean, it wasn't a quick process. There was obviously a lot of thinking into, yeah, into everything, um, as you have to with signing for a new team. Um, And it took a lot of thought, a lot of pros and cons with having my father in the team um, being the DS. I think it's not a typical thing to do, just to be, Mm. like, to have your dad as your boss. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think it was the right decision in the end, so... Yeah, I'm just happy to be where I am. Should we, before we move on, I'm going to ask you that. What is it like having your dad as a boss? <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, you can't, we can't ignore that. Your dad is, you know, has moved on. I mean, and, and the team have had a, a fantastic season, as, as did EF. You know, they had some yeah. fantastic, um, big, big wins. But what's it actually like? Are those early days, 
I mean, you've worked with your dad a lot, but yeah. working with your dad professionally is a very different thing, isn't it? So how is that going in, in a nutshell? Um, honestly, it's great fun. So I raced uh, Simac Ladies Tour last week and I got halfway through the stage race and I was sat in a team meeting and I, I looked at him and I was just like, hold on a sec. That guy's my dad. Like I'd completely <laughs> forgotten for the whole week that he was my dad and I literally just saw him as a boss. So I was... It was really like really random for me, like literally went down to breakfast, just said hi as normal, like have a good chat with everyone. And then literally it just clicked at one point and I was like, wait, I'm related to him. Like (laughs) that's my dad. (laughs) But so yeah, like it, it really wasn't anything new for me. Like it's, it's a work environment. So you have to treat it as a work environment and yeah. Like I say, he was my boss and he is my boss when I'm at races and he's my dad when I'm not at races. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's the fact that that was your realisation is clearly the, you just were in the zone, wasn't it? You know, um, And I guess when you, when you look at your formative years, when, when you're a junior, your mum and your dad are the, 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 your mum and your dad, but ultimately in terms of getting you to races, funding things, they are your boss, aren't they? So it's quite an interesting, so it's a dynamic that you've kind of been used to anyway. It's just, oh, okay, now this is slightly different, but it feels the same. Would that be right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same thing, but on a higher level, let's say like, yeah, he's still there giving advice. Um, he's there on the side of the road or in the car, um, for like when I need help or before the time trial, he's like, okay, let's just like take a look at the course in our heads, blah, blah, blah. And just, make sure you really know what you're doing. Um, and like I've spoken to the coaches to know power and everything like this. Um, so yeah, it's really just me growing up, um, racing in the UK, but on a higher level with more staff, more riders like around me and everything like that. So it's just, yeah, it's really, it's really fun. And just out of interest as, as well, who, who coaches you? Who's your, who's your coach? Um, Emma Trot at the moment. Emma Trot. Yeah. Okay. And um, what are you, are you conscious of what you're like as a person that to be coached? What, what are you like? Are, are you, are you easy to coach? Are you hard work? Are you a little bit, or you just get on with it? What, if you were to give yourself marks out of 10 as, uh, oh, you know, what would you give you as somebody that need, needs to be coached? Um, I'd probably give myself a four. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, according to her, I'm really easy to coach, but according to myself, I'm like the hardest person ever to coach. I don't know why. My friends also say that I'd be really hard to coach. Like, I don't know what it is. I'm just, that's just how I am. And she's like, yeah, you're easy. You just get on with it. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't sometimes. I need you to tell me these things. And she's like, yeah, but you're asking questions, you're doing everything that the rider needs to do to know, like, to train better. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not that much of a handful then. And she's like, no, it's okay. <laughs> that's, that's really interesting, isn't it? Your, our perception of ourselves is, is very often different to the one that uh, other people have of us because nobody really knows, of course, what goes on inside our heads. And quite often, or they might come across as, as somebody that does – you know, that's quite easy to uh, to look after or to corral, to coach. Yeah. When there's sometimes a bit of chaos going on in your head and you've and if you're somebody that thinks about a lot of other things at the same time, it, it does actually feel like, oh my God, managing me must be a nightmare. 
but ultimately you can still do it. So there's a weird disconnect there, isn't there? But it's a good one. And that, yeah. you know, that you're, you're honest enough to think that you, you're not, you know, you're difficult to be coached, but you're actually good. That's quite interesting. They're both different. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, um, for me, when I come to like quite big, important races, like worlds and euros and things like that, um, I can get quite nervous and she somehow is the one person that knows how to just go chill. You'll be all right. Just go and build some Lego, do something like this, take yourself out of a situation and just put some music on and you'll be fine. But like, yeah, coming into some, some worlds like last year and uh, also America cyclocross worlds, she just managed to, yeah, calm me down when I got really quite like, like tense nervous um so i think she knows me quite well as a rider which is really useful to have in a coach um and i know her well as a coach so we we really get along really easily so again many riders that i've spoken to when we do we don't always touch on the coaching side but i think it's i think it's a fascinating subject is is that trust isn't it the fact that you know you're going to look after each other as it were because it is a two-way thing it's not just one way you you, to have to have that trust means you can actually be more honest about things and about how you're feeling and then somebody's not going to think well why are they feeling like that i think if that that honesty that that trust massively important yeah no for sure i agree and yeah if you can trust your coach and you trust that they're gonna get you onto form by the time you get to an important race or yeah, they're not going to overtrain you, undertrain you. They're just going to set everything as well as you need it. Then, yeah, then they're the perfect person for you. Yeah. So, um, moving on to actually, this before we do move on to Canyon Shram because that's, this is where your future lies. Can we can we look back to one particular race this year? Yes. Haru Bay. Now it's now we know back in the day when you were a lot younger. Because your dad won Paris-Roubaix, you used to have Paris-Roubaix Day in the house where you used to sit and watch Paris-Roubaix. And now this year, you rode it, and ultimately, Alison Jackson, your teammate, went and won the flipping thing. So so firstly, give us a little bit, a little bit of, of, a, of, a, of an understanding of what it's like for you to live with your dad who's won Paris-Roubaix and won't shut up about it, which is brilliant <laughs> because we, we all love that. I mean that in the nicest, in the nicest way. Um, but then going into the race and, and, and finishing pretty respectably, but then having that win, just describe the day for us and, and what it ultimately felt like for you. Um, yeah. I mean, it's Roubaix. It's a race I've dreamed of racing for, for so long. I remember I used to race the mini Roubaix um, when you're like, I don't know what age you can't race it, like when it stops. Um, but I remember racing that when I was younger and then I was like, I did the last one and I was like, I'm never going to get to race Roubaix again. And yeah, this year, first year world tour and I sat on the start line of Paris Roubaix and I'm just like, I kind of had goosebumps um, all over me when I was, when I was just standing there. Like, again, I mean, I got to the start line and I'm standing there with Alison and we're just having a goof around. Like we're really just there to have some fun and there to enjoy ourselves and me and her never really take each other seriously. Um, so the start line was just like, how can we keep each other calm and how can we just do this about the other um, to take our minds off of the fact that we've got a lot of cobblestones to come. Um, and then, yeah, basically from the start line, I didn't really see her again. 
and she was up the <laughs> she was up the road. You got in the early move, didn't she? Yeah, <laughs> she got in the morning break. She was up the road, and I was just like, oh, bye then. And uh, yeah, next saw her at the finish line when she was sat in the hot seat, and I was just like crying, and I was like, no, 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 I don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that would that day was just. Yeah, I mean, I rode my dad's Roubaix pedals, first of all, so there was a lot of... I heard about that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was just something cool to bring to the race, you know, like, I've, I've loved Roubaix and we watch it every year just because it's a special race for our family and we're all so proud of, yeah, dad and his career and also mum and her career and yeah. everything that, that they bring to our lives. Um, so getting to have that little part of of his racing um, with me in that race, it meant a lot. And I'll also, I mean, I spent a lot of time in the mud going around crashes. Uh, so it was really useful to have those pedals. <laughs> um, and yeah, just, I mean, I finished the race and first of all, I didn't know, I couldn't hear anything on the radio. So I didn't know who'd won until I got into the velodrome and I looked up at the TV. Um, so I had no oh, idea. Wow. I, I was, I don't know how many minutes down I was, but I was in this group and I hadn't heard anything on the radio and I knew that the, I think, or I thought that that group had gotten to the finish. I wasn't sure. And I was like, oh, like who's won? Like I'm intrigued to see. Um, and then I looked up at the TV, there's a picture on my Instagram and I'm looking up just slightly at the TV and I could just see a pink blob. And I'm like, <laughs> hold on, AJ's celebrating here. I was like, either she's won or she's celebrated for second place. And I'm like, I really hope it's the first one. And then I did like the fastest lap and a half of the velodrome of my life. Got off and saw my swan year. And she was like, AJ won, AJ won. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm like crying. And I was like, where is she? I need to go and see her. And then I was like trying to get in to see her, but she had a load of people around her taking pictures and with microphones. And I'm like, AJ, AJ. Um, and then, yeah, I got to see her and was just like the coolest the coolest day ever and seeing her on the podium with her bucket hat and her, her cobblestone was just like oh chills oh, that, that's that's very very cool i'm just for, for I'm, I'm sure a lot of people did know that you were using your dad's pedal can you just explain about the pedals briefly uh, just to put that into a bit of context for people because yeah you'd had one in 2004 and that's quite a long time yeah. ago in 19 19 years um just, so yeah so, well, they're, they're the little like little SPD X's, aren't they? They're kind of just describe the pedals again. So they're a, they're a speed play pedal, so it's like a lollipop. Um, yeah. But instead of like, it's like a cross. So they've taken out the plastic from the side, so that the, if you get stuck yes. in the mud, um, you can still clip in because there's because yeah, the way speed play works is that it kind of just goes like straight in and fills the fills the hole. So you've got to like somehow get the mud out if you end up in the yeah. grass and these are these make it easier to do that so yeah the times so that it did yeah. ride in the grass yeah because it, it, it turns them into like a mini spd pedal almost doesn't it where you just you can just the mud just just comes out so that's that's what you you when was the decision made actually quickly to to use those pedals is it always on the cards or has eleanor used them in the past or how, how what was the what was the thinking there um so when was it? I think it was probably October, November last year. Um, Dad said to me, if you race Roubaix this year, you can ride my pedals, mainly because I was on speed play at the start of the year and Eleanor wasn't. Right. Okay. 
otherwise she would have had first choice like choice at them um but yeah i was the one that was on speed play so i had the opportunity to ride them um so it's been yeah i mean dad told me before cross season last year he was like yeah you can ride these and i'm like wait wait a second i get to use those pedals like i I've known about them for so long and I've never had the opportunity to ride them. And then I got to ride them and it was so cool. It's really, I mean, just on that note, actually, just talking about the familial aspect of, you know, your your mum, Megan, is an exceptionally gifted road rider. We know about your dad, your sister too, but growing up in that, in that sort of family. um, And then ultimately you choosing the same course as your mum, your dad and your sister. And it was, was it always on the cards was because I know it was about ten years. About ten, you started riding. Rosamond did other sports before then. But at what point for you, Zoe, did you think, "Yeah, I can. This is something I actually want to do professionally"? Because you were living it, weren't you? It was your family was, you know, family of cyclists who, who love it. it. Kind of ran through your veins. But for, for you on a personal level, at what point did you think, "Actually, yeah, this is what I want to do"? Because we're all conditioned a little bit, aren't we, by our families to a degree? But ultimately. We all make our own choices about about what we do and where we go. But when did that happen for you? Um, yeah, I mean, first 10, 12 years of my life, I didn't really... I, I liked cycling and I'd go out on the bike, but it wasn't my favourite thing. So I did a lot of other sports just to keep myself active. Um, and then basically, basically when I got to high school um, and I started getting like... Yeah, schoolwork, homework, whatever. I started getting a bit more of that. And then it was like trying to get to training sessions. Um, Then I started to go, okay, I'll just do cycling now. Or I had to pick one and I picked cycling. Most, I think mostly because Eleanor was also doing it at the same time. Um, So it meant that I had someone that I could train with. um, And I did a lot of just like the same sessions that she did. Like I'd, we'd go out on the road together and I'd just sit in the wheel. And if she had intervals, then I'd just do the intervals in her wheel. but yeah, when I realized that I wanted to do it professionally, probably first year junior after I won in Leuven, yeah, it was, I didn't really think it was realistic until then. Um, and then, yeah, once I won and I knew that I was, I was okay um, at riding, then I was like, yeah, I mean, maybe a little bit before that as well, I thought, okay, this could be a cool thing to be professional. I mean, I've always watched women cycling and I've watched racing. Um, but yeah, I didn't really see it as a, as a career until, until junior. And then you went and won, won the world, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that I was, did. I mean, I know this is a, a question that many, many people would have asked you, but just that, that win, I mean, um, there was a lot, there was a fair bit, a bit of pressure on you, I think anyway, but I mean, people knew that you were, you're already an exceptionally talented rider, but um, there was a lot of pressure on you coming into that race and then coming to the finishing straight with one other rider. Can you? Do you still have much recollection of that, or, or was it all in red mist? Or can you still forensically look at it? Is it still very clear to you? Yeah, I, I can. I can see the whole twenty last twenty k's back in my head, basically. Like I've got, I've got everything. I remember every single moment of it, pretty much. Um, so yeah, I've also got videos on my phone and things like this. So yeah, it's cool to, it's really something cool to look back on. Just, I mean, I went into that race knowing 
every single rider that was on the start list, how they rode, what their strength was, what their weakness was. I knew every single rider apart from Kaya Schmidt, who I was in the final against. She was the one person that I hadn't raced against all year. Um, She'd done track worlds um, and won at least one title on the track there, got medals in some other events as well. I believe she won the elimination. I can't remember. Don't quote me on that. Um, so I knew she had a sprint, but I didn't know how good the sprint was. And I know I could sprint, but I didn't know what we were going to be like against each other. So it was kind of like a case of take it as late as possible. And I know I've got a really good, like first two, three second kick. And if I can just kind of use that to get me to the line, then I have to use that because yeah, otherwise I'm in a position to lose a world championship here. And I, I really was not, I was not at the race to lose it. So it was an all or nothing kind of, kind of day. I actually had a puncture, um, the whole ride. I was probably racing on 50 PSI. Um, so I don't know if like, like my cornering coming into the last, yeah, 5k, I was awful. I was off the back of her. I was just really not, not going very well, but I had no air in my back tire and I just kind of wanted to stay upright and get myself to the line. So yeah, it was a pretty special day. I have to say. It was a very special day. I remember um, watching, obviously, and then seeing the video of your dad, who was flipping, commentating on it. I mean, you couldn't make that up, could you? I can't no. believe that Lloydie got him to, to, to commentate on, on, on the race that his daughter was in. But um, it, was, it, was, it was amazing. And then, because I, I remember, and you remember this, I, I would imagine, back in 2019 at, in Harrogate, you came to the brew house um, yes. and went on Zwift. Yes. Um, and you're already racing then anyway, doing a bit, a bit of racing. This was, it might have even been before you were a junior. You'd have been like 14 or 15 or whenever it, whenever it was. And you beat, I think you were third. You set the third fastest time for the whole of the day. And that includes elite men and everybody you, you were racing against yeah. on Zwift. And, uh, and I'd met you a few times before then. And I had, I had a word with your dad. And I said, there's something special going on there. Something very, very special. And then only two years later, um, there you are, you're, you're world road race champion. It's a, did you ever, and then of course, 2022, you, you, you win it again, but this time you win the time trial, you're already cyclocross world champion as well. Um, there's, there's a lot of joy there, but there's also a lot of pressure that comes with that. So, and now you're a senior, although you're still under 23 as well, uh, which is great because we've got the under 23 category too. But, um, how do you sort of perceive yourself with it? Because you're, Arguably, one of the most um, a rider with the most one of the, the riders in the world with the most potential, um, based on what you've delivered as a junior, and that's an enormous amount of pressure, isn't it? But speaking to you and knowing you reasonably well from meeting you at events and stuff, you seem pretty carefree and you don't seem to carry that weight with you. But what's it like being you with all that pressure? Because there is a lot of pressure, isn't there? Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> there's always going to be pressure there's if it's not coming from the outside then it'll be coming from myself because if i go into a race knowing that i can potentially do top 10 top 5 podium whatever then i'm going to put pressure on myself to to do that but i have to like i have to find ways to yeah stop myself from putting the pressure on me because that's that's not like it's not fair on myself if i'm if i'm the one bringing the pressure because yeah I mean, ultimately, I want to do well in every single race I go to. There's, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, but I have to just, I find ways of, 
of coping with it. And yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of races, worlds, especially um, as a junior coming into them. I know, I, or I knew that I could win them and I really wanted to do that. So I think I brought a lot more pressure then. I mean, there was a lot of people from the outside as well going, oh, you can like, you can win it. Um, and I know, I knew that I could, which was the hardest part. So it was just trying to have people around me, like supporting me in my agent, my family, my coach, just going, let me take it. You step back. Let me just deal with what, whatever I can deal with. Then I'll take it off of you basically. And uh, yeah, I just appreciate anyone that's supporting me and making me just happy on the bike. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I go to races, especially in the cyclocross season, there's a lot of pressure in cross because I've been doing pretty well for the last, like the, like last year, I was getting some good results and yeah, I mean, the Belgian fans are amazing, but whenever you hear it on the sideline, like, oh, like she's going to do well, like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, maybe I won't, but I think yeah. I will. But I'm like, <clears throat> I'm like, okay, it's fine. I can do this. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm there to have fun. And when I have fun, I do well. Like that's, that's what I live by is if I'm having fun at a bike race, then you can see it on me and the results come from it. Like literally that's just how I work. <laughs> yeah. And juggling all the dis- disciplines as well, although that's increasingly more commonplace and uh, a- a- across both men's and women's dis- uh, men's and women's sport, how do you personally manage to juggle? Because I know you don't do competitive mountain biking, but you still ride because it's great fun, but you're still juggling, or not juggling, you're still doing the track successfully as well. And as I just said, you've held world titles simultaneously on the track across and on the road which in itself is is pretty unique but um and clearly you love doing each one but how do you manage the balance the three and who who else gets involved in looking at that and making sure that you're getting the balance right ultimately only you know because you want to keep enjoying it you need to be fresh but how do you how do you juggle a, a typical season then? Uh, although, again, a typical season now is going to be very different because it's World Tour. So, okay, slightly different. And you've got one pretty much under your belt now. But how, how, do, you, how do you balance things? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of communication between me, Emma, um, yeah, team coaches, DSs, just everything like that, having a good support system around me. And like I say, Emma knows me very well and, she knows when I get tired and she'll be able to just go, okay, now we take a break. We take a couple of days easy. We recover you or yeah, I have always have a plan of when I'll take my off season or when I come into the road season, when I start my cross season, like everything is planned out far enough in advance so that I can see it and break it up into, yeah, into blocks. Um, But it's just making sure that like if, I get tired in myself and I can feel that then I go okay I speak to whoever I need to at the team I go I need a week off the bike or I need a couple less races because I'm I'm feeling too tired to do them and I'm not going to bring like 100% to the race so there's no point in taking me if if someone else is going to be able to give 110% um sure so yeah it's just like good levels of communication all around and there's a lot of cross races in the winter you can do two a weekend so yeah it's a lot a lot of racing but just kind of sitting down before the season starts and going okay which 
um, yeah, which series do you want to focus on? Do you want to go World Cup? Do you want to go Super Prestige? Do you want to go X2O? Do you want to go for which one do you want to do? Um, and then we'll focus on doing them. Um, so yeah, like this year, it's my focus is on the World Cups. Um, World Cups, Euros, Worlds are my, my focuses for the season. And we do whatever we can to make sure that I'm going as good as possible for for those races. Um, so yeah, like I say, communication is literally the biggest thing for making sure that I don't, I don't get overtired or I don't burn out or, or something yeah. like that. Cause I'm still young and I want to have a long successful career. So I don't want to go and do everything now in my first year, two years, and then get four years down the line and go, I need, I need a break, like a big break. Yeah. So just on that and making that jump look junior because obviously there's the under the, the, the women's under 23 category is developing isn't it very very quickly um and has now finally been properly recognized with its own championships etc but it's still it's still ultimately given the kind of races you're doing it's junior to a to world tour that you're riding at basically aren't you yeah um you're still growing What's that been like this year for you? Was that like, oh, okay, here we go. Because that's a big reset. Because there's a big spotlight on you. Like you said, every race you go to, especially on the cross as well, you can't just go and ride around because everybody's like, well, what? You've got to, you're expected to win. So that, and that like, that sets you apart from a lot of other riders who can't go and ride anonymously, if you know, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So with, with that pressure in mind and also the, the big physical differences between women who've who were poor older than you in, in their mid 20s 30s 40s you know what's that been like this year was that have you you obviously expected i'd imagine but what's it been like to how, how have you settled into that um yeah i mean i did opening weekend and that was something else in itself yeah. being a, first of all being able to race it i had a pretty bad yeah. crash on in newsblad um i got myself into the break and then just messed up and, and crashed out. Um, so yeah, that was, that one kind of hurt mentally more than anything. Cause I was like, I know sure. I'm good enough to be there. And then I crashed because I was just being stupid. Um, anyway, we moved past that. Um, it was good fun. Like it's, it's really, you expect the racing to be hard and long and fast and everything coming up from junior. Like it's a completely different ball game. Um, like let's let's go to Ghent Webble again this year. It was 165k. I raced Junior Worlds and we did 60k's. So yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah, more than double. Yeah, yeah. before before we'd hit um, the big climbs towards the end of the race, I'd already done 100k, which was more than what I'd raced as a junior. And I had to remind my DSs of that. I was like, I can do 120k, 140k, no problem. And it was when I got to that last 20 Ks in Ghent again, where I, I was like, I'm at 140 K got 20 Ks to go. I'm like, this is where, this is the bit that I've not raced yet. So it was all yeah. kind of new to how I was going to perform. And it was raining. It was, oh, it was raining so much. We were all in like gabbers and rain jackets and leg warmers and everything like this. Um, so yeah, adding that aspect into it, it was just a savage day on the bike. I really have to say yeah. that it was really, really awful um but a good learning experience like i didn't really know what to expect i didn't know how i was going to be on such a long race um on the climbs on the cobbles on everything like that so yeah 
it was it was cool. It was fun. And then just like all of the other races, I mean, I I, I had an idea of what it was going to be like in the peloton, speaking to my sister and things like this, and her friends and her teammates. If I go and um, if I go and watch a race, like when I was junior, I go and watch Eleanor racing and. I go and say hi to all their teammates and they'll say hi to me on the pel- like in the peloton or on the start line. So it's cool that, yeah, I'm, I'm known um, in the peloton already, but again, brings a bit of pressure that they know who I am and I'm only, I'm yeah. only 18. Like I am only a baby in the race. So <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's fun, but it's hard. It's everything, everything you expect and more. It's uh, it, no, it's. Um, I'm just excited to see what you're going to do in, in in the coming years. I really, really am. And, and and of course, we'll talk about your new your new team in a minute, a little bit more actually. But um, I'll be given a, a couple. We're going, to, we're going to go on a slight tangent now, if that's okay. That's Sorry. fine. Um, but what, what I'm just going to say, I'm just going to give you a sentence, and I want to see what your response is going to be. Okay. My lint is oblong. My lint is blue. <laughs> Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yes, indeed, indeed. I I believe um, that's that's something that you are very very. I believe from my. I've got some good sources, as you quite as you'd imagine. Very very good sources who say you might have watched all of the shows at least five or six times. Yeah. And you know, and you know, almost know the script. I'm not proud of it, but I have. So you clearly, you're, so you're a big, you're a big Brooklyn Nine Nine fan, then. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since I watched it last. I needed a bit of a break from it, but I do love Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's just, it's childish and it's good fun, and I'm just like, this is amazing. I'll sit down and watch it, or I'll put it on while I'm cooking. So <laughs> I do know it quite well. That's the thing, especially, especially again, just back to how much cycling you do. You know, you we all need an outlet. We all need to do something else, and um, it's very. It always intrigues me. The thing is, I could happily, Zoe, talk to you for a couple of hours, just about racing because it's flipping amazing. Um, especially all the different disciplines, the psychology, the the the, the, the training and, and stuff. But to know it, I, I, I'm just intrigued at why you like that particular program so much because it is a bit it is a bit it's not like a normal comedy is it it's it's pretty it is it's very silly isn't it yeah it's really silly I don't know I think that's probably why I like it the most like it's just it makes me laugh I'll just sit there and I'll easily watch yeah five episodes no problem and be like oh wait no I've just wasted three hours of my day um (laughs) but it's just it's just like a you can sit down and you can put it on and like I'll turn my phone off and I'll watch it and I'll just have a laugh or it's really easy to put on while I'm, while I'm cooking something or yeah, I don't know if I'm on the turbo and I need to, I need to have a good, get me through a two hour session, whatever. Then I'll put that on and just, I'll have a good time. And yeah, I started watching it ages ago. I believe it was probably Eleanor and Charlie that got me into it. Um, I can't really remember. But I've, like I'll, I'd finish it, and then I'd basically the next day start it from the beginning again. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. I mean, yeah, we, we, there's so there's so much good telly there, isn't it, at the moment? And I think being being away from home um, a lot as well as on, on the road, dropping into a, a TV series that you like is is a, is a wonderful way to escape and switch off, isn't it? Because of, because of all the other noise that, that's going on. I mean, 
Are you good at quizzes? Mm, kind of. If I need to be, yes. If I don't you, need you to can... be, no. Right. Okay. Well, that's 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 a, that's a shrewd answer because um, you've probably been slightly prepared. So, Baxter, it's time for the Pontyclun quiz. <laughs> yo, yo. What's up? Y'all ready? Uh, uh, Let's do it. Turn off your phone. That's right. Get your thinking cap on. Yeah, yeah. It's time. What time? <laughs> Pontyclun quiz. Right. Um, it's time for the Pontyclun quiz. Oh, no. Uh, firstly, Zoe, could you tell me... Uh, could Niall, our producer, our wonderful producer, who uh, assembles these brilliant jingles, uh, sent me a voice note. Actually, I'm going to play it to you here. And apparently, this is how you say Pontyclun. I'm just going to go back through the voice note. Um, just give me a second. Hold on. And I want you to give me... Is this correct? Hold on. Pontyclean. Yes. Pontyclean. Is that right? Pontyclean? Ponty yeah. But it's, been, it's spelled Pontyclun, isn't it? Yeah, but it's Welsh. Yeah, okay. Pontyclean Ponty is Welsh. Wales. Okay, well, well, I've, I've got that. Thank you very much. Not, no, I didn't not trust you, but it, because the, the accent on this sounds like AI was so English and not Welsh, I questioned it, but now I, I know the answer. So, Zoe, um, you were born and... Well, you you're raised in Pontyclun. Is that still where the family home is? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good because... We're going to do a proper deep dive. We've got four oh, no. questions on Ponty, Ponty Clean. Okay. But don't don't stress, because I can see the fear in your face right there. Please don't be frightened. Um, it is a multiple choice quiz. Yeah, that's okay. good. I so, can do them, I so, think. Now, my my eyesight's not as good as it used to be, so I'm, I'm going to have to just... I've written this quiz myself, but please forgive me if I look like I'm squinting. But So, question number one. Okay, it's multiple choice, don't stress. Ponty, Ponty Clean has a number of sports clubs, including the Ponty Clean Flyers um, and the Ponty and, and the Ponty Clean Football Club, Ponty Clean Flyers being the cycling club. Yeah. Okay, my question to you, Zoe, what is the name of the running club in Ponty Clean? Okay, got four choices, all right. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go a, cry. Is it A, the Ponty Clean Harriers? B, the Pontyclean Running Club, C, the Pontyclean Roadrunners, or D, the Pontyclean Olympians. Okay, so the Harriers, Running Club, Roadrunners, or Olympians. What's the name of the Pontyclean Running Club? I feel like I'm going to go with C. I don't know why. I don't feel like it would be Olympians. I don't feel like it would be Running Club because that's too obvious. Yep. So I'm going to go with C, I think, yes. I'm locking it in. It's correct. Well done. Yeah! Yes. <laughs> now that is not, if that's not a competitive reaction, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> you can see why you've won the world about a million times, can't you? Right, okay. Quest, but good, good, a good method of deduction there. I like the way you eliminated them. So uh, you don't need me to explain so far. It's 100% you've got so far. Okay. Question number two. Right, I need to read this first because I did this on the I did this quiz on the train yesterday. <laughs> okay, um, right. Diddle diddle da diddle diddle da. Right. Okay. Ponty Clean is a relatively new town. Okay, and it grew as a result of the influx of workers in the coal mining and the iron ore industries. But Ponty Clean itself originated from pretty humble beginnings. Okay. 
What originally was Ponticlin? Okay, was it A, a farm, B, a church, C, a pub, or D, a brewery? So basically, it started off as a, as a singular building with a couple of little buildings around it. Was it a farm, a church, a pub, or a brewery? And then, over the period of, well, the, the Industrial Revolution, it just it, it exploded in terms of size. So what do you reckon it started off as? I feel like it's going to be B, which was a church. No, I don't know why. A was a farm. If I look at Ponticlean, there's not, I mean, there's, there's grass, but there's not farm. No, no. So there's not, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to rule that out. I also feel okay. like I'm going to rule out a pub. Okay. Because I don't know why, because I don't feel like that's a sensible answer. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I did write this quiz, so there's probably, there's definitely not a sensible answer in there, yeah. Point proven. And what was the last one? Uh, a brewery. But there's no brewery in Ponticlean, so I'm going to go with B, a church. Unfortunately, that's incorrect. It was a farm. So, where? Yeah, the farm was there in about 1850, and the first church wasn't built in Ponty Clinton about 1870, incredibly. And then there was a brewery, uh, one of the biggest breweries in, in Wales is in Ponty Clinton, but it was closed and taken over in the 1990s. I did a lot of reading on Ponty Clinton, by the way. So, yeah, don't clearly. Worry, don't worry, though. <laughs> You've still got time to turn this round, okay? But um, I do like, yeah, so it was a farm. A farm with a couple of little buildings out, so it's okay. You're, don't stress. Do you want to ring your coach? Or are you going to be all right? No. No. You I can... feel like I, I'm going to leave my phone a friend for later. Okay. <laughs> right. Now, we're getting on to two of my favourite questions, right, on Ponticlin now. Although I thought they were quite good questions. So, question number three. There's four questions, so... Okay. On what road in Ponticlin is in the town centre is Greg's? Okay, so there's a Greg's, there's a Greg, there's a Greg's on the outskirts of Ponticlin and the industrial estate, as we know, or as I know now. But what road is the town is centre there? Greg's on? Pardon? Is there a Greg's on the outskirts? Where? Yeah, there is. Yeah, to the north, oh. on an industrial estate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll send Following. you. I'll send you a pin later. <laughs> Please send me the pin of where it is because I've not been there. <laughs> so. What street is Greg's on? Is it A, Stewart Street, B, Cowbridge Road, C, Palawith Avenue, or D, Station Terrace? Cowbridge Road. Correct, Mungo. <laughs> Good knowledge. <Yeah. laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, I'm too competitive. Oh, no. Flipping that. Cowbridge Road. So well done. That was You were straight in there. You knew that that was Cowbridge Road. Okay. Yeah. Right. This one's a little bit more random. Yeah. But it's still it's still quite good fun. Okay. Right, question four. Because you, you've got... You're doing all right, actually. You're doing all right. Question four. It's the final question. How much... Sorry, Baxter. Does a cod, a chips, and mushy peas cost at Scrump's Fish and Chip Shop on Talbot Square? Okay. Um, and this is regular sizes, not large. Okay. And I've got some prices. So it's fish, chips, and mushy peas. Okay. Is it regular sizes? Is it A nine pounds twenty, B nine pound eighty, C ten pound twenty, or D ten pound twenty fifty five? 
What do you reckon? Oh my gosh, these are expensive. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, it's wow. either nine pound. So it's fish chip. I know fish and chips is expensive. So is it a nine pound twenty, b nine eighty, c ten twenty, or d ten fifty five for regular fish chips and, mush- and mushy peas? I feel like I'd not pay more than nine twenty. I feel like I'd not pay more than a fiver, but. I mean, you're adding mushy peas in there, so it's going to make it a lot more expensive. But I don't know who'd have mushy peas, so... 980? I'm going to just... I'm gambling here. I really have no idea. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. What I'm going to do is... Because you, I'm going to take... I'm going to, I'm going to do 50-50. Okay, all right? let's do that. Okay, I'm taking out 980 oh, shit. and 1055... So it's either nine twenty or ten twenty. Oh, I'm think gonna about go. Your first, think about your first answer. What you already said. Okay, so now you're making me think it's ten twenty. Oh no! Well, <laughs> just no, no, no. Forget. I tell you what. Forget what I've just said. And just is it nine twenty or ten twenty? There, there you two. And. Uh, 1020 is quite expensive. 920 is more reasonable, but yeah. I'm going to go 920 because if it's under a tenner, then it's under a tenner and it's cheaper and it makes it feel like it's more affordable. 920, locking it in. Go. It's correct. <laughs> oh my God, my palms are sweating. I really can't do this. I'm so glad it's over. <laughs> Well done, seventy-five percent on the Ponty Clean quiz. Let's have a round of applause from our live studio audience. Thanks, guys. Oh, wonderful. Uh, all all of the people in the crowd today have come all the way from Ponty Clean um, to yes. to the Netherlands uh, and to and to Derbyshire. Uh, but well done. Um, yeah, nine pound nine pound twenty. Have you ever been to Scrump's Fish and Chip Shop? I'd always go to Big Sam's if I was going to get fish and chips. I was going to do the menu from Big Sam's, actually, because that's the top of the list on, on Google. It's in Ponyclean. I don't know where this other fish and chip place is. I need, I need another pin, please. Can you send it to me on Google Maps? <laughs> it, it's on Talbot Square. Where's that? <laughs> Apparently, it's in, it's in Ponticlin, but um, anyway. I was going to do Sam's, because Sam's do kebabs and, and pizza yeah, as well, don't they? They do do kebabs. They're good. Yeah, and yeah. I was just going to focus on a, on a fish and chip shop, but... Um, Damn, I was going to go for Sam, but it doesn't matter. But you still got the correct answer anyway, so it's a well done. Well done. Happy. Okay. Um, right, if you... Well, I do ask this to a lot of people who do multiple discipline stuff, like yourself. What is, what's, the, what's the discipline that you get most satisfaction from? Is it the track, or is it the road, or is it cross? Cyclocross. I love cyclocross, man. Oh, even now, like, I, I don't start my cross season until start of October in America and I'm already like I'm already hyped for it like I'll go out on the road and we'll hit a little bit of gravel and I'll be like yeah let's go cross season's here um and yeah I mean I always not always but I've gone into cross seasons in the past and I've just been like oh I don't really want to do this like I'm, I'm not here for it and I'll get through the first two races and I'll be like hold on this is amazing. Like, what was I thinking three days ago when I said I hated cyclocross? <laughs> um, so just like, like I was watching um, on Instagram, there was a race two two days ago, yesterday, um, in south of Belgium, and 
yeah, it was already like knee deep in mud and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm hyped for this. This is going to be such a good cross season. Because <laughs> I, I know, I know you prefer muddy conditions, don't you? Um, yeah. You prefer the muddy conditions. Yeah. And I, I actually, I commentated on your win in the Nationals this year, actually. Yes. Um, and was that quite muddy? It was, or was it oh, the year before? Was it? it was no, muddy, wasn't it? Was it was so muddy. I think 80% yeah. of the course was running. That's like, right. It was so much running. Um, and it was probably, yeah, it was a bike change every half a lap. But I remember it was like the way that they put the pits, it was like you did three quarters of a lap on one bike, then you change and then you get a quarter of a lap on the other bike. So it That's was, right, because the pits were like, the two different pits were together, but you they passed by, the, the, yeah. the track passed by, didn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. you basically went like through the one, up and around over the top and came back down and you were at the second pit. So it was like, yeah. if there was a lot of people um, at the jet washers, then it was really a push whether you were going to get your bike back by the second pit. So I remember I was coming into the pits one lap and I'm like coming over the bridge and I had like two little chicanes to go. And I still, I'm looking over at the jet washers and I'm like, my mechanic's still over there. I'm like, uh, wait, I, I need that bike. I'm coming. And then I, could... run, I remember that the way the camera was set up, there were pretty much all day, uh, well, all, all race mechanics running across because they had to run to get to the other the other side of the pits yeah. and, and only just about making it because you're only gone for about three or four minutes. Yeah, so it looks exactly. like they were working equally as hard as the riders at that point. But um, I mean, to be a mechanic in cyclocross, you need to do running training. You need to do like running training on its own, like body weight. And then you need to do running training with like 10 kilos with a muddy bike. And then, yeah, just because it's such a competitive thing being a mechanic who knew you had to like barge people and fight people for a jet washer. Yeah, no, it, it, we, that, we, we did talk about that quite a lot. But, and that was really interesting, your, your, your reaction to that question. There was no real hesitation at all, was there? No. You, know, you, no. you, you clearly love cross. Can you, actually, can you remember your first cross race? Um, yes, I can. I was in, I believe it was in Cardiff. That, that, that was a large, <laughs> you, you were ex- expelling air there. So that was a big sigh. I take it. You, okay. Tell me about it. Because what happened was, was that I was really, I like, it was my first, like my first cross race and I did, right, right. Let me explain. Okay. okay. So I've got a friend that I live 10 minutes from that I train as much as possible with and we are the same age we're like 23 days apart um and i remember mum and dad entered me into i can't remember it was either under eights or something like that entered me into the under eights and i started my race and i'm looking around and my friend ella is stood on the sideline watching and then mum and dad look and then i realized that i was in the wrong category and i should have been in the under tens because you know how you have the changeover like I yeah. was second year under eights going into under tens on the road. So I was already first year under tens in cyclocross. And I remember I'd done like two laps and then I had to pull out and I had to start the next race. Um, so yeah, we messed up a little bit there, but that is the first cross race that I remember. So it went really good. <laughs> Were you, did, cause cross is a lot of fun. I've only ever raced one cyclocross race. I kind of missed out really, but I did have a lot of fun, but, um, did you do any training before? Did you just ride across by, or, or did you just, what was it like? Was it just like, have a go at this kind of thing? Or, or did you actually go and do some cross training beforehand or did you just get your bike and ride it? I 
I only started doing cross training when I hit first year junior and I started doing stuff in Belgium um, with Alcock Tormans. That was when they did like sessions once a week. So if I was staying in Belgium for like a a period of like a month or something like that, then I'd have training every Wednesday and we'd get that done. Um, So that was the only, like that was when I first actually started doing cross training. I mean, I did a, a little bit before, but it was really just like some figure of eight, some starts, some starts into like getting off and running around the corner, things like that. Um, but yeah, like I really did minimal cross training when I first started out and until I kind of came across to Belgium, that's when I thought, oh, let's maybe do a little bit of something. Otherwise I'm just, I'm hitting these races and I'm, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I'm just cornering, like I'm on a road bike or whatever. So yeah, it was very much so just turn up. I got my spare bike. I got everything. I got dad in the pits got my mum on the start line, taking my jacket, off I go, see what I can do. And yeah, yeah. have a bit of fun doing it. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's amazing how popular, I mean, it's always been popular, but it's ex- exploded recently. But it, and, and as I've, I've read and, and as, as we know, there's so much to carry across. And uh, I, th- I think it's just wonderful that a rider like you with, and there's a lot of eyes on you, there's a lot of pressure on you, but you, you Fund, through it all you're just having fun and you happen to be very good and you're obviously very serious about what you do you you care deeply about it but that joy keep, that joy keeps you grounded doesn't it as well I mean clearly you know you've um you, you are a very grounded young woman and but there's still you can just when you reacted to that cyclocross you could see how much you flipping love it and that's it's, it's great isn't it I mean you must be very much looking forward to the coming season and the fact that every year you're getting stronger as well and, and you were silver in the under 23 worlds you previously you know won the juniors so what are your expectations for before we we wrap things up we've got a couple more things to ask you but before we wrap things up what are your expectations for the cross season coming up um yeah i mean new season new like i've done a fair bit of racing this year and i had a good uh stage race last week um so yeah, I mean, I'm hoping to hit the first, at least the first couple of races with a, a fair bit of form. Um, but yeah, honestly, I'm out there to see see what I can do. Um, I know I had a couple of close podiums um, in the World Cups last year, so I'm really hoping this year that I can try and get an elite podium, um, especially on the Boxing Day Cross. That's normally the course that suits me the most. Like I've two years in a row gotten fourth there, and I'm like come on Zoe now it's it's time to better that result and get third or second or first so that's like one of my goals as well for like the middle of the season is to try and to try and do better in that one cyclocross um but yeah otherwise overall under 23 world cup I'm looking for um worlds euros the normal um yeah just seeing what I can do I mean Everyone's gotten stronger this year, watching all of the racing, like watching people racing on TV and, and yeah, people coming up from junior as well and just going, it's not going to be easy. It's never going to be easy, but I feel like everyone's level is increasing. And yeah, I don't know what my, my level is at inside the cross at the moment. I've not, I've not ridden my cross bike yet. So I really need to, yeah, I just need to keep calm for the first couple of races. And if things don't go to plan, then that's that's okay. That's a good thing. Then I know I've got somewhere that I can improve and I can go and do some more training and just dial in like the the technical aspect. And I know that the road training will 
I'll come, it'll be there. And yeah, I can do intervals, like not a problem. So it's just probably nailing down the technical side first. And yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be cool. There's a lot of traveling in this cross season. So got America, Netherlands, Belgium, Czech Republic for Worlds, Spain, France, uh, Ireland. So it's a, a really, yeah, widespread calendar. Um, but I think it's going to be super fun and I'm just looking forward to getting back in the mud, if I'm honest. <laughs> looking forward to getting back in the mud. Brilliant Who wouldn't? And, 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 and just a, a brief word about how welcome you've been made to feel at Canyon Shram as well. It's a team that I, I, I know very well and I know, um, I, know, I know Ronnie and Beth very well and the rest of the team. What, what's that line? Obviously your dad, but what's, what's, how have you been made to feel uh, in, in these? It's only been a couple of weeks, let's be honest. It was the 1st of September, wasn't it? Fifth overall in the CMAC Tour, not bad. Your best world you know, world, uh, world Tour uh, ride yeah. so far. So you obviously hit the ground running. What's the team like? Just describe that briefly for us. Yeah, honestly, it's amazing. Um, I, signed, I, I started on the 1st of September and on the 3rd, I was at the race hotel with, with all the girls. So it was really like... Bish bash bosh, we're we're like we're we're racing now. So, yeah. But I mean, I walked in there the first day and did the first road ride with everyone and just started like I I knew the riders, but I didn't know them. I, I knew them from racing with them and being on different like and just being in the peloton with them. Um, yeah. But actually getting to like ride next to them in in training and room with people and everything like this, it was just I, I honestly felt like I'd been there for for ages. It just felt natural to be there. Like I. I didn't have any problems. Everyone was just like, oh, cool. Zoe's here. Like, this is great. It's going to be a good, fun week. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And staff, mechanics, Swanyers, literally everyone was just, just welcomed me like I was, I'd been there for ages. So yeah, it couldn't have been easier um, transitioning over. And it made that first, first week of racing more successful. I don't know. Like it just made it, it made it easy. It made everything chill. And uh, I mean, if you told me when I signed that I'd like, if you told me before Simac that I'd get my first women's world tour podium and take home the young riders jersey and get a fifth overall in that race, then I would have said you're crazy. Literally would have just said straight up, that's not happening. Like, why are you even saying that kind of thing? So yeah, just super happy with, with how it's going so far and looking forward to what the cross season is going to bring. That's fantastic. I mean, no, I, I just want to wish you all the best with the team. And I know you'll be successful in the team. You, you really will. It's, um, there's a lot of great teams out there, but there's, there's a team that stands out. They've got a proper... And, and I think since your dad's come on board as well, they've tweaked a few things in terms of the way they race. And, and I think uh, that the team, all teams evolve and, and riders evolve. And I hope the next... Because you're there for three, the next three years, aren't you? Which is which a long-term contract, yeah. which means you're going to be in their colours for the next few seasons. I cannot wait to see how you... How you go on? Um, so one one final thing. Um, can you can you rate my Lego for me? I've got some. I've Show got, me. Yeah, I've got quite a bit of Lego. I know you're a massive a massive Lego fan. Just got, I've got a big Lego cupboard. Wait, I can't yeah. see it. Uh, well, I'm. I, it's, well, Bring it to me. Show me. I, hold on, I've got. Hold on, I've got. What have I got here? I've got some art Lego. Hold on. So. I'm holding. I'm not going anywhere. It's all right. <laughs> oh, I've got. 
Right, I've lost one of them. I've got, there's a bonsai tree. Why is it still in the box? I know, exactly. <laughs> I've got a bonsai tree. Um, I've got, hold on a minute. Um, oh God. <laughs> Sorry about this. I should have done this before. <laughs> Friends. Oh, I don't have that one yet. Yeah, oh. I've got the friend set. I've all, I've got like we've got loads. Me and Holly love Lego, so yeah, we've not done these, but we generally do do them. I, I believe that you do quite a lot of building of Lego, even on bike races. I believe maybe, maybe too much. Yes, I do do that. <laughs> I, I, I've heard, and again from a, a very good source. Close. I need to, to know this source close to uh, her, I think her initial might be EB oh, um, no. that you, you spend a small mortgage every month on, on Lego <laughs> yeah. okay don't put it like that okay <laughs> I don't spend too much money I've been restricted by my mum to one piece a month so okay so what, what was the last piece you bought then um I bought I went to Brussels not long ago and I bought a Corvette the new one, it's oh, just been released. You're big, yeah, you're a big fan of car. That's a, okay, Lego Technic, also yeah. Car, yeah. Um, and uh, a, some sort of castle thing that I decided, I measured it before I went to before I went to the Lego store. I measured it and it fits perfectly in my bathroom. So there was, still, it, there was thought behind it. So hold on, you've got Lego in your bathroom yeah, as well. Everywhere. Yeah. Of course I, I do. I... I because we've been looking, one of the reasons we haven't built these is because we're running out of space to put them. Um, just behind, we've got a lot of Lego, uh, Star Wars Legos. I've got a lot of Star Wars Lego. Yeah. But we've got a big Marvel tower. So the Daily Bugle, you know the Marvel Day, Daily oh Bugle? Oh my gosh. <sighs> we've got that unbuilt. But now you come to think of it, I'll have a word with Holly. Maybe we just put it in the bathroom. Near it's the bathroom. worth Can it. We? Yeah, do it. <laughs> like, so when I buy my Lego, I have already thought about where the piece is going to go. So then I have a reason to buy it. So I decorate my house right. with Lego instead of other stuff because then I get to build it and then I get to like see it progress into what it's meant to be. And then I put it there and then it's like, yay. Um, so yeah, I've thought about it and I've got like rolling stones um, on my wall. And like, that's where like I have one piece and that's where my bike goes underneath and it just looks like, is that so the kind cool. of is that is that the lips logo thing? Yeah, like the wrong because oh, I've got that like a marrow. Have a look at this last one before we wrap up. I've okay. This. It's the it's the Andy Warhol Marilyn. Oh yeah, that's cool. Oh yeah, this is so. That's the uh, yeah. So are we going to get that needs to go? So that we'll, we'll actually put that on the wall. Do that. So that yeah, this oh, I just love. It. Anyway, the, by the way, uh, anybody who's listening and watching the pod or what. This isn't an advert for Lego, by the way. This is just an, an, an official appreciation because we've had quite a few people on the pod um, before who, uh, Rowan Dennis, massive, massive Lego fan. Mark Cavendish, massive, massive Lego fans. There are All the best people are. Cyclists. All the best people absolutely love Lego, in, including yourself. So what I'd, um, well, when we do post this pod, We'd, if it's okay, could you, if you, well, maybe when you're back home at some point, yeah. post a picture of you with some Lego and we'll try and get that on the pod. But I know you're on the road for a bit, so you, yeah. that might not be able to happen. Or if you do buy a piece when in that you build in your hotel room, send us a picture, if that's okay. 
All right. Um, yeah, Zoe, I can it's, do that. we're going to have to wrap up. We've, this, we might have overrun, but it doesn't matter. It's been such a wonderful conversation. It's been a real pleasure. Um, and I just want to wish, wish you all the very best for the coming cross season and for next season as well, because uh, big things are expected. Um, but you've got a level head. You've got a wonderful team environment. You've got a, you know, a wonderful family around you. You can just keep, as long as you keep enjoying it, you, you're going to be fine and you're going to make a lot of people happy, uh, but most importantly yourself. So thanks for being on the pod and take care. Thank you for having me. What a brilliant guest. Zoe is so much fun and she's wiser beyond her years. Thanks so much to her for being on the podcast today. And thanks to her sister, Eleanor, and her husband, Charlie, for the insider information. In fact, if you haven't already watched it, go and check out our cafe ride we made with Eleanor back in 2020. I've yet to meet a Baxter that wasn't a great guest. This podcast was produced by Noel Gaffney on behalf of Hot Chili. Thanks to Perry App Gwyneth for the podcast theme tune. And thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe and rate the pod. And why not recommend it to anybody who might be thinking of becoming a mechanic for a cyclocross team and hasn't factored in how much running is required while pressure washing bikes every half lap. Cheers all, stay safe and goodbye.